Welcome to the second part of the conversation where Chase and I talk about the environment. Chase's views on the environment are more thought out than nearly anyone I know and coming from a completely different perspective. Also in this conversation, you'll hear the development of how Chase and I go from him thinking I'm asking him to do something for me to him realizing it's doing something for himself. And that's a big change that's pretty subtle to get. It took us a while to get through it, but I think it's worth it if you're interested in environmental leadership because this is what we're facing. People hearing what they expect over what they actually hear. I imagine in time I'll do it more skillfully, but here you can hear the development of the technique. You and I talk about environmental things a lot. And I'm for me, it's a very active thing. It's something that is a very high priority for me. And I'm going to tell people that from our conversations, you are tremendously knowledgeable about this. It's not, as a, it's not the priority for you that it is for me, but it's something we talk about a lot. And what does the environment mean to you? When you think about the environment, what, is it, what do you think about? Uh, that's, a, that's a broad question. So when you're talking about environment, I know you mean uh, the, the natural environment, right? The natural world that humans are living in, uh, and in particular, the, the human impact on the environment. I think uh, when most people are talking about the environment, that's, that's what they mean. When I think about environment in general, I actually think about those things. And I also think about the, the constructed environment. I think about uh, the change of environment, particularly as species evolve, uh, as they change their own environment. And, uh, you know, when the dinosaurs evolve, things kind of change around them. Same thing's happening with humans. We're, we're very sadly wiping out a lot of animals and, and plants. And at the same time, we're also having all these animals that are adapting to our presence as well. Uh, obviously, not as much, nowhere near as many as we're wiping out. We have all these animals like rats and pigeons and, and other things that are flourishing in human environments. Cockroaches are another big one which is, is kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, I mean all those things. And, and the, the other thing that we think about too is uh, the thing that you and I have been talking about recently, particularly uh, Tainter, you know, his, his theory on complex societies and uh, how societies and civilizations use the environment to get energy from the environment in different ways. You know, right now where fossil fuels are a big thing for us, but uh, in the past, different civilizations have used the environment in different ways. And eventually, as the societies become too big and too complex, they can't get enough energy out of the environment. They, they tap all the uh, easily accessible resources, and they can no longer sustain themselves. So that's obviously another big thing to think about with the environment for me. Is there a way? You know, sustainability is a thing that people talk a lot about. But uh, then the question is, can you actually get to a sustainable civilization? I'm not sure. So you, t- you come at this from an interesting perspective that's not... I don't hear it from a lot of other people, although Tainter's book certainly sold a lot of copies, and he's not the only one who wrote in that, do, in that uh, domain. What about the, the feeling? So what meaning does it bring to you? What do you like, does it lead you to action or to uh, – does it evoke emotions in you? Yeah. So for me, when I, when I look at uh, – particularly, well, I think you and I have somewhat similar perspectives on environment. We don't come at it quite the same way, but we both look at the environment in terms of, you know, there's a lot of pollution where we're kind of outstripping our natural resources faster than we can find new resources to replace them. And at some point that's probably going to lead to something bad, which, and cyclically that seems to happen to civilizations. Eventually civilization outstrips its resources. It doesn't have enough resources and then you have a civilization collapse and then eventually a new civilization comes up and there's a recovery, but sometimes not after, sometimes it takes a while. 
And whereas you have this kind of proactive approach to want to head things off, I'm a little bit more skeptical that we can. And I don't necessarily think that that's a terrible thing because I don't think this this will be the last time we'll have a great civilization. But I do see these ebbs and flows of civilization over time. And I I think we're still in the... uh, in a good phase, but it's the sort of the uh, what what goes up must come down, and it, it's it's sort of a, it's a weird perspective to have, uh, I think in general because it seems like most people are either believe that we have this kind of unstoppable forward progress that we're making, and uh, you know I think it was uh, Francis Fukuyama called it the end of history, right? We've ended history; it's always going to get better. And there are other people that think that that there's going to be this decline and collapse and it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be like the zombie apocalypse and all the preppers are going to be there with their, their guns and ammo and and the food stores and their outdoorsman skills are going to be the only ones that survive. But, uh, and I look at that as I look at both, you know, I'm a little skeptical that we can achieve the utopian situation, but I don't think we're going to end up in a dystopia either. I think we just have these, these, ups and downs. For me, the the perspective sort of is that uh, obviously I would prefer it if we could have just a steady growth. If, if we grew at a slower pace that was more manageable and steadier, then that would be the ideal. So that we wouldn't have to have the, the retrenchment and, and declines and then followed by another flowering. But it doesn't seem to be that that's the way that it works. Sort of like looking at a life cycle almost, you know, the that organism is born, it lives, it reproduces, and then it grows old and dies. And it's just kind of the way things go. So uh, if there was a way to to change it, then I would think that would be good. But from the perspective I'm sitting at it, I, I don't see what that way is. And particularly, you know, if you could convince, somehow convince all humans to invest in a, in a slower, steadier progress, but the amount of changes that would that you would have to make and uh, just getting all humans to do that. And we were talking earlier about the, the, the political thing, you know, even when you see just uh, things that are in the news, what, what, when they do a poll of how aware are people of these issues, even stuff that's in the news is being talked about constantly. Most people have a very low level understanding of whatever this, this subject or topic is. And I think most people are just so caught up in their lives that getting them to pay attention to something where humans in general behave a certain way, kind of across civilizations, uh, across cultures, across societies, and getting them all to work together, which is what you would need in order to, I think, to head off any kind of civilization cycle that happens again and again. I'm not sure how you would do that. So my read of, if you said a lot, and I don't want to overly simplify. So tell me if I do. But my read is, at a at high level, you it's it's a big issue. It's an issue that's you care and it's meaningful to you. And it's not the first time that we that we humans have seen big problems. And but as big as important as it is, what there's maybe not much we can do about it. And it's the sort of thing that happens anyway. And even if we do something about it, it'll if it doesn't happen here, it'll happen somewhere else. Like it's it feels like you have a sort of um, not standoffish, but like a a viewer from the outside, and this is happening. It's important. It would be nice to do something. It's happened. Things comparable have happened so many times that it's maybe not even worth trying. Or if you saw something that gave you hope, you would try, but there's not really not much 
to give you hope to try. Meanwhile, there's life and might as well keep going. Yeah, that's pretty close to it. I wouldn't say if it doesn't happen here, it will happen somewhere else. My perspective would be it will happen here and everywhere else because just, uh, you know, uh, sort of a, an eventuality rather than uh, rather than uh, maybe we can change it here, but other places won't change. So uh, I, I just view the, the difficulty of overcoming human nature. You know, we can make changes, particularly more thoughtful people, and maybe you can have some effects. Uh, you know, the real bar for me is that is not just influencing thoughtful people, but then the, the real bar is uh, the real hurdle to get over is you need to influence the, the masses of people to behave in a certain way. And you can look at all the different ways people try to influence the masses to behave in this way or behave in that way. And a lot of times you can, uh, you can achieve an effect for a while, but, uh, but usually it pretty much always crumbles. You can look at any kind of mass you know, whether it's a religion or an ideology, a lot of these, a lot of times these things are, are they stand okay for you know, 50, 60 years, and then a counterculture sweeps in and, and undoes all the work that whatever that religion or ideology was, and, and just have these constant back and forths. Doesn't it seems like humans are not very well suited to uh, permanent, unchanging paths. We're always going to challenge whatever it is or the generations before we're doing. So it's a problem that the solutions, whatever solutions are, implementing them doesn't seem to match what humans on a cultural, social, global level are good at. And even if they are, it's not lasting. So it seems like this combination of factors that just makes it untractable and it leads to a... You're not like the type who's like getting out popcorn and watching the world burn, but you're like, well, it's happening and not like watching a train wreck either. It's just like, I guess you're at a time in history when something interesting is happening and it's going to happen. And maybe people might try to do something, but it's just something to, maybe it'll work. But meanwhile, it's nothing before has shown that we can do something like this. And so you're just kind of observing yeah, you know, for me, it's like watching watching a loved one grow old and, and, you know, approach the time when that person's going to die. And I've had grandparents die and I've seen that, uh, seen them go through that process. And it's sad, but it's also a part of life. You know, you're going to lose this person that you care about and not be able to talk to that person anymore and have that person out of your life. But also you see that this person's kind of reached that point in their life and they're ready to move on and, uh, you know, Different people react differently to that. Some people just don't want to let go of those people. Some people that are about to die are, are struggling to hold on, and other people are ready to go. And people have these very different reactions to the end of life. But people have very different reactions to the end of things in general, I would say. Okay, so there's like an ending here. Philosophically, maybe? So there's an ending here, and that doesn't mean good or bad. It's, it's, there's an ending, and it's happening, and it sounds like you're taking it in as one of the many things going on in life. And you take what, what comes to you as, as all of these things are elements that help you construct the life that you want to live. And some people don't like it, but that doesn't, it doesn't make a better life to like not like something that's part of life. Yeah. I wouldn't say, you know, not liking it. You know, uh, I wouldn't be critical of people that are, are trying to do things either. So an interesting perspective on, uh, if you look at politics, for instance, you have people, uh, whatever whatever kind of politics you're talking about. The simplest is talking about 
the political left versus the political right, or it could be any kind of, you know, right now it's nationalism, globalism, things like that. Whatever sides you're looking at, you have, you have people who are very politically active on the left, people who are very politically active on the right. And whether you're sympathetic to one of those sides or how sympathetic you are, most people probably don't want to get politically active. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have people that are polit- politically active. Because if all the people that are active on the one side dropped out, then the other side would, would become, would, would, would dominate and, and continue to dominate so long as there is no opposition. So you need to have this balance. And you have some people who, for them, it's their calling to be more active. And then you have people that are less active. You have people that are, are neutral. But all these people are kind of playing a role in this great tapestry of life where these people are, each have their own thing that's important to them and everyone's pushing for these things that are important to them. And collectively, they're, they're pushing against each other and, and working to shape whatever outcome we have in, in our societies. And so each person's having this, this part that they play. Uh, I don't really view anything as like a, you know, like a waste of time or not a good use. You know, they're, they're all doing their role in the society. I want to go back to what you're saying earlier. It's something you care about. It's something that means something to you. And what I'd like to do on the show is to invite people at their option to act on what they, what it means to you, which is different than what it means to anybody else, the environment, and however you define it for yourself. And not to fix all the world's problems by yourself overnight, not necessarily to try to change the world, but just to do something based on your values that's not telling other people what to do and something measurable, something, however small, the size of it is not the, the point. It's doing something, but something you're not already doing. And if you can come up with something, I mean, a lot of people, when I say this, after we talk for a, a, a second or two or a couple of repartees, then it comes out that they're like, you know, there was something I've been meaning to try. I'll use this my chance to do it. Although sometimes you have to go back and forth because I really haven't thought of anything, uh, which I like because then listeners who are thinking of their values can hopefully listen and maybe they could think of something they could act on, which is going to be different probably than you because they have their values and they're likely going to be different than yours. But I wonder if you'd be game to, if you've thought of something to share it or to collectively think of something and see if there's something you're willing to do at your option. Uh, So you're asking me now and and not the listeners, correct? Yeah. And I hope they're listening and think to themselves, hmm, let me give it a shot too. But I'm asking you. Okay. This is, should we talk about what we did before? It's up to you. If you want to, so the listeners know we we recorded before and the quality didn't work out. And so we're redoing this and there was something you did before. If you want to share it, that's cool. If not, you don't have to. Yeah. So last time we talked about this, so your, your thing was, did you pick up a piece of trash? And first I said, okay, you know, I'll try it out. And then I ended up not doing it. And we talked about through all the different reasons why. I think the, the, the biggest one for me, you know, is that I look at different things and, you know, there are a lot of different things that people would like you to do. And the, the, the point of the exercise is to shift your focus and raise something in terms of its priority to you. You know, just like uh, uh, same as the people saying, send an email to someone each day, telling, thanking someone or show, expressing gratitude. Or uh, what would be another one? Or would be you know, if somebody said, uh, uh, cut something bad out of your diet each day, or or start doing an exercise each day. You know, the the point of the exercise is to make something move up in priority in your mind and get you to prioritize it more. And what you see with a lot of people is once they start doing something like this. 
then they come to prize it more. They start to take pride out of it. It becomes more and more important to them, and it can lead to this complete shift in their in their focus on what's important to them. Some people may reorient their entire lives around around this this thing they've started doing. And for me, I actually uh, try to be very careful about that sort of thing, just because uh, what I'm doing right now in terms of the business I'm building and what I'm trying to achieve with that and then with the trajectory that I have myself on is something I'm trying to eliminate as many distractions as possible from and try and have as few things that can get in there and may cause me to have any kind of shift or change my attention or focus or priorities that might pull me away from that. And I've gone through a few times over the years where I started prioritizing something else like exercise. Exercise was a big one. Actually, a few years ago, I got really into calisthenics and I started spending a lot of time on it. I spent like two or three hours a day on, on calisthenics and it was really good. I got in a lot better shape. But at the time I was doing that, I also neglected my business a lot more and, and, uh, and things kind of slowed down and suffered quite a bit. And so it's a thing that I try to be very sensitive to is, is there something here that the aim of which is to raise something as a priority to me? And uh, is that going to detract? Is there any possibility that I'll detract from, from me keeping my focus on the things it needs to be on? I think that's kind of a unique and, and uh, not very applicable to a lot of people because the issue that a lot of people have, I find, is this, is this uh, lack of direction or purpose. You know, they, they've, they want to do something with their lives. They want to feel like they're contributing to something greater and they just don't really know what it is or what they want it to be. So uh, I think this is not something that's very applicable to a lot of people. Uh, but for me, with, with uh, being in the midst of, of uh, herding cats, you know, uh, having a million different open projects and, and managing a bunch of different people, it's a big concern. And then, you know, I had other reasons where, where uh, you yeah, uh, for, know, for not going out and picking up the trash. <laughs> Uh, there's a thing to think about too. uh, And something that I think we talked about before is that, uh, is that I should never completely trust your own reasons for doing or not doing something because I think a lot of the times those reasons are, are, uh, concealed from us. You know, uh, a lot of it's subconscious. You may or may not fully know why you're doing something. I got to comment on something you said earlier that actually things have changed a lot since working with you always develops my techniques and thoughts and, and things like that because you're thoughtful and you share these things more openly than many others. And so one of the big things that I learned from our previous experience and what I hope that I have changed is that then I would, I think I suggested to you the idea of picking up a piece of trash per day. And now it's less, I do the best I can not to suggest to people what to do. And I make it more about them acting on their values. And so for people to come up with something that works for them and the constraints that you talked about, for you, that constraint comes for a particular reason because of your, of your focus and your drive and your dedication to your customers, to your business, to your employees. The things that I think almost everyone has similar, everyone has constraints, which could be time or relationships or whatever, constraints of different sorts. But I got to tell you, the people who are biggest into the environment that I come across also put up their barriers for actually acting on the values that they espouse. Well, in their case, it doesn't stop them from telling other people to change, but they also will come to the same place for similar reasons 
possibly coming from the same part of their psyche, but they say, you know, I do want to do it, but given my constraints of some sort, I simply can't. While not stopping from telling other people that they should still figure out how to do it, I, I got to tell you that there's a lot of people who are big in the environment and boy, do they, they have no, you know, their thoughts about Trump is like visceral and they can't stand the guy. And if I say to them, what, okay, what about the coal miner in West Virginia? This guy's going to be out of a job. And they say, well, you know, there's more jobs in solar and more jobs in wind and more jobs in renewables. And so they should find a new job. Okay. Well, this guy's father was a coal miner. This guy's grandfather was a coal miner. It's all the way back. And, you know, the whole community is geared around coal. And so it's, you know, while on a nationwide basis, the change can happen. What about that community? And like, well, they just have to change. And maybe we should create some programs for them. But, you know, we can't just keep doing coal. It's like it really, it hurts the environment, they'll say. And so I'll be like, okay, well, we'll leave that for a little bit. And then, then I'll talk about how I don't fly. I haven't flown. In March, it will begin my fourth year of not flying. And I don't even suggest to them. I, I don't suggest to people not flying anymore because it's like the pushback is just not worth it. And they'll say, I can't do that. That's impossible for me to go without flying. And somehow they, they, they have this imagination where somehow like I, I guess I find money on trees or my family members all teleport around. But they're like, you have to understand, it's my job and my family requires it. So I say, well, when it was a coal miner, they should change a job. And the community should change your job. What about you and your job? And like, oh, and then like the constraint suddenly is overwhelming for them. Like this constraint can't be overcome. No, you can't suggest that I would change my job. Okay, so this is my big illustration of how people everywhere, it's like these constraints are like straitjackets for many people. And now on the flip side, some of the great leaders that I've interviewed comes to mind, like Lorna Davis, she was on, and she reports to the CEO of Danone. Major role. That company made $30 billion last year. Or Beth Comstock of GE. Uh, well, now, now she's not there. But when she was there, it was a Fortune 5 company, and she was a, a C-suite CMO. And so like Beth took one, she said, I'm going to avoid plastic as much as I can for a week. And it's not necessarily something that takes a lot of time. In her case, well, I hope people who listen to both the first and second episode with her, because I, man, as an aside, the leadership that she showed of a lot of people, I don't think she realized at the, when she, what she was biting off when she first suggested it. And she came back and said, wow, this was, I did not realize how much plastic were infused in my life. And I don't think it really took her time. It was really, it took attention and that might be another constraint that, it, it, you know, it's not just time. For me, picking up garbage, I pick up a piece of trash per day. And I'm not saying that you should do it, but in my case, living in Manhattan means that I think over the several years that I've been doing it, my total elapsed time doing it is around about 30 seconds to a minute. It's just, I don't go out of my way to pick it up. It's just in my path. And that's what I get. I don't know, maybe a few minutes total over a few years. and. But the, the big thing I want to get back to is that it's, well, one, I wanted to share that story about these people who are like, everyone else should change your jobs. Oh, I'm sorry. I, you, you have to understand my job is, is I can't change it. Uh -huh. I want to share that story because I, I wanted to. And, but really, this isn't about, it's not the magnitude of it. It's, not, it's, it's just something that if there's something in your life that you have noticed that you could change or that you might want to change based on what's important to you. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what anyone else, it's not about anyone else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I'm actually not thinking about time. Give you another example. Uh, I have a bunch of friends now who've, who've gone uh, and 
done the done various LSD acid, mostly um, ayahuasca, and they have wonderful things to to report about it. That is this healing experience. They learn so much about themselves. You know, they have these positive changes. And I look at that and I say, it sounds really interesting. It sounds really great. But if I try it, is it going to change how I think about things? Is it going to change my priorities? And if so, how do I know that that's going to, you know, I might come out of it a changed man. And now suddenly all these things that I'm working really hard to do, I'm just going to abandon those things. And and, and so this is the, the concern that I have with anything that might potentially change me. So you know, if I look at something where I'm going to do something to benefit the environment, maybe I'll do that. And I'll say that felt good. I feel good about doing something for the environment. Let me do something else and I do something else and I do something else. And as I invest time into this, it, it shifts my perspective to where suddenly these things that I used to care about don't seem so important. Now the more important thing is to do something with the environment. And you've, uh, you've reprogrammed yourself to be this person who was focused on, who had one role in life and now is focused on this, this other role in life, where there's this, which, you know, hey, maybe that's a good thing. But uh, at the moment, for me, the focus is on, I have these things that I'm trying to fix. You know, look, look, the business, for instance, is a, it's a delicate thing where if Chase goes away, the whole thing falls apart because it's not totally uh, self-sustaining at this point. So there, there are things where I have to be steady and keep myself consistent and not deviate from that. And when I'm thinking about things that might potentially pull me in a different direction or change my priorities, I have to be real careful about that. Just as someone who's in a position where there's this thing that's built that is running really, really well and doing really good stuff, but it's it, that you're this central figure that's holding it all together. You're the glue. You don't want to when when you're the glue, you don't want to change the the chemical admixture of the glue before you get out of being the guy that's the glue guy in case the glue happens to break and fall apart uh, before you're ready for that. So, I think you're being pretty consistent about the constraints. On the one hand, I don't want to be pushy. On the other hand, polite persistence has done me well over the years. So I'll just, one more time, I'll see if, and let's throw in the constraint that, or let's let's work within the constraint that we don't want to risk activating what you just talked about, that it could be in magnitude small. I'm not saying this is something that you have to do for the rest of your life, or even that you consider that. It could be, well, I don't want to suggest what it might be, but but certainly we can say, let's not risk putting something on here that might lead you to change your behaviors or values that are that for what's important to you. Because if you just said, I'm going to avoid one straw, it would actually meet all the requirements. And I don't think that would really, I, I don't really know, but I don't think that, that would probably distract you from your current focus. Not that I'm suggesting that that's what you would do. Nor am I suggesting that you don't do that. I, I wouldn't do that. I, I don't use straws. But, but so, I know I know what well, you're, you're just using it as an example. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't want to act on it, that's fine. But I, I do want to give that one last try of, or one last, hopefully hearing you and incorporating what you're saying and seeing if there's still something that would fit within what you'd be willing to do. And also meeting what I'm hoping that, yeah, it's like, I'm not trying to get you to do something that I want you to do. I'm trying to give you the chance to do something that, well, to see what it's like without impacting the rest of your life in a way that would be a bother. Hmm. Oh, well, if I'm going to do something that's not supposed to change me, then what is the point of doing it? What's the point of doing any experiment? I mean, 
the, <laughs> learn something that might take you down a different path. Well, to give you the choice. No, it's not. That's not the goal. My goal is not to give you the choice. I mean, my answer for that in a broad sense is something someone once said to me years and years ago, which was, if you knew what was going to happen every day, exactly, then what's the point of getting out of bed? From my experience on the podcast, most people have one sense, they have a mental picture of things and that their experience belies that. They see things a certain way and that when they actually act, their experience belies that and reveals that they had, I don't know, various different things that didn't match up with what happened after the experience and that they're glad for the experience. And what enables me to persist is that I'm confident that the worst that will come out from, by your values is neutral. So I think there's low risk of downside and, and reasonable chance of upside. Uh, so, so let's say I was open to it. How would I figure out something to do according to my values that I'm not already doing? When and knowing that in general I'm someone that if I want to do something, then I then I go and do it. Well, I think a lot of what you shared earlier was meaningful but impersonal, in my view. And you may have seen it differently. You're talking about societies. You're talking about things that happen on broad scales. And once or twice you said for you you would say for me personally, and then what you'd say for me personally, it was your perspective, but not like when I asked about how the emotions that it brought up or the meaning for you, I didn't hear that answer. It, it stayed very general and very impersonal. Not very, but it stayed, in my view, general and personal. I hope I'm not misrepresenting you, but that's that was my perspective. And I think we'd have to spend a little more time about how does it make you feel and what in your life does it interact with and in what way? What images come to your mind when you think about the environment, as opposed to what books have you read or what great thinkers have thought or what philosophical approaches different people have had? I mean, if a guy came to you and said, I would like to get value from Girls Chase. And you said, well, here's the business perspective and here's how different philosophers have thought about it over time. And these are the books that I've read on it. They probably wouldn't, that's probably not what they're looking for. And it probably, and I think what's motivating is very deeply personal on that side. I'm not saying that this should be, take that place at all. I'm just saying that there's a difference. I'm, I'm trying to illustrate the difference between, I think that personal perspective helps people as your customers in a way that speaking philosophically is very interesting and grand, but less personal. Uh, yeah, sure. I would agree. So what images do come to mind, if any? Environment? Uh, images. Images, emotions, feelings. What, like... The, the panda memory. bear, the World Wildlife Foundation, you know, the WWF. It's like a panda. They have like a panda symbol. Maybe the, the sun, clouds, oceans, grasses. Huh? Environment, factories, smokestacks, think environment. Okay. And what about memories or hopes for the future or fears of the future, uh, thoughts of the future, whether positive, negative, neutral or whatever? Nothing in particular coming to mind. Uh, my, I, I don't know if it's different. I know a lot of the people you talk to are very focused on environment or uh, particularly people uh, in a certain, um, of a certain political orientation uh, spend a lot of time thinking about the environment, whereas for me, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, a focus as much. It's, it's interesting for me, but but it's not like an, an emotional focus. I actually do try to bring people in who, and I'm making a bigger effort, like people, oh man, people constantly they hear leadership in the environment. They're like, Josh, I got a perfect guest for you. They're doing this recycling program. Yeah, you've heard me say this before. And I'm like, the people I want 
are leaders, effective leaders. I don't care where they're coming from. The leadership in the environment is, is, in my opinion, very ineffective and often counterproductive. And so I'm looking for people from outside environment with, and I try to make a point to them, environmental experience is not necessary or even necessarily advantageous. And in my consulting on this stuff, people say, oh, you know, you should work with this company, like some wildlife company. And I'm like, I want to work with Exxon. I want to work with McDonald's. That's where the biggest change is possible. That's where the, like, the potential is. So my world is, is a lot of people who are effective leaders, such as yourself, and experienced. But increasingly, the environmental part is something that they're like, yeah, it's something interesting, I'm sure, but that's not my focus. But the more that I talk to them, they generally have something inside that, you know, people don't want mercury in their fish. People don't want plastic in, in their bloodstreams and, you know, from ingesting it through their food and they don't want like endocrine disruptors disrupting their endocrine system. And, you know, a lot of people think global warming because that tends to get the most attention of plastic is certainly growing in getting media attention, but there's lots of other things. I mean, and that's why oftentimes it, when, if it connects to something that is in the person's life or was, or they hope to be, then it becomes more personal and meaningful for them. I mean, uh, I, I told you, I think uh, a while back, uh, maybe a month or two, I read the, the there was a, a new study on, on plastics found that even before they thought it was only damaged plastic that had a bad, it was doing endocrine disruption, but they found that even undamaged plastic not heated, not scratched, not damaged, was still getting people's bloodstreams and uh, affecting the endocrine system. So for me, as soon as I read that, uh, you know, if I buy a bottled water, I try and buy it in a, in a glass bottle instead of the plastic bottle. I try not to eat out of plastic bowls. or, But it's a change that I already made. As soon as I saw it, I said, okay, I'm making that change and then made the change. Um, and did it change your priorities? Did it suddenly, did you lose track of Girls Chase? And then... Uh, <laughs> It's a fair point. <laughs> uh, Actually, I, I got to answer a little more of a question that occurred to me. Another reason for me, hopefully persisting politely with you is that we're longtime friends. And I know that I can push more with you than I can with others. And our past experience was such a learning experience. I've learned more about different people's perspectives on the environment, why they, on the environment, why they act, why they don't, what comes to mind when they do and don't. And so on a selfish level, I know that if I go past with you where I would and could with others, then I'm going to learn. I, I expect that I will learn this time as much as I did last time. And so people listening to this, if they're interested in like leadership development and to the extent that I'm leading, that I'm a leader or whatever, then you'll hear that like, this is what, this is part of it is I believe that I'm in this moment, making myself vulnerable because I'm the more that I go out on a limb and persist with you, the more I'm not achieving my goals, but my goal is not, I mean, really for this to work, my goal has to be not me getting what I want, but me understanding, helping the people, helping the guests and the listeners achieve what they want. And I think with you, I can go a little bit farther. As I said, with you, I can go farther than with others and learn in the process. So there's a bit of that in it for me. Mm -hmm. So lay my cards out there. Yeah. Uh, I guess if we're doing that, uh, I should note that I'm, I'm generally regarded as an extremely stubborn person that people get very <laughs> frustrated when they're trying to push him to do something. 
because I, I'm very push resistant. Yeah, and I hope that I'm not pushing because my goal is to invite at their option. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say I'd say you're being more inviting than pushing. I didn't mean to frame it that way. Ah, I'm glad to hear that because I it, it is because I'm definitely in the realm of insecure right now of of pushing my boundaries of security. If if we weren't recording it, I'd probably have a different tone, and I, I don't want that. I want that to go away. I mean, obviously, we're, we're talking differently than we do when we're not recording. Sure, yeah. Got to be more uh, sensitive to the audience. Yeah, and I don't want it to be that way because I hope for obvious reasons. But yeah, okay. So now I want to go back to where I went on a, on a digression because when I said, ah, did it change your, like, okay, so you switched from plastic to, to glass. And I would imagine that that is not like, someone didn't push you to do it. I'm sure that the people who wrote the article probably wrote that article wanting to influence people in the way that you got influenced, but you probably didn't feel like you were doing it because of them. I mean, they, they're probably journalists. They're saying, oh, I just want to have a good story. And I just wanted to you know, report the news as it is. But, you know, yeah, they, it was actually one of the scientists was saying, you know, my, my recommendation is just use plastic as little as you possibly can. Just get it out of your home as much as possible, which is, I think she was, I think it was a she was talking about uh, not just eating out of plastic, but just not having plastic items in your home at all. Just not touching it, being around it. It's pretty, pretty dire warning. So Actually, it's funny. I mean, it was like the least I could do is just not eat out of this stuff. Yeah, I've been. It's something that is that's hitting me more and more because my view is not to increase demand for plastic because I've thought of it as more or less benign to my physical self. But increasingly, I'm finding you know to me the issue is pollution of the world and wildlife and and choking the oceans and things like that. But now I'm increasingly hearing news such as you described, and it's making me feel like oh, maybe I should excise the plastic. And even if I don't increase demand, because I'll go downstairs to our recycling in my building and there's like bags that, as far as I can tell, have never been used. So I'll, I'm like, if I ever need a plastic bag, I go down there and it's, I'm getting it from something that was heading to a landfill or at best a recycling place. And so I don't feel, I'm, and, and no one knows that I'm doing it. Well, I'm saying it now. Uh, and so I hope the listeners aren't thinking, oh, well, Josh is using my waste. So I'll just double bag next time. That's not what's happening. But now I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't even do that. Yeah. Plastic bags in general, or if you can replace them with burlap or something, probably better. So, so I suspect that's the thing. I think that you might have an experience of what you just described. Like maybe there's other articles that you've read. You thought maybe, oh, maybe I should try that. Or uh, maybe that, maybe on that article, you got rid of some plastic, but maybe you want to get rid of more. I'm not sure. But I think you would have an experience like that. I want to like promote experiences like that. Like you, I, I have a, I'm operating on a belief that there's things in you like what came out of that article, but that on that one you acted, but the others you haven't acted on yet. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a worthwhile thought. I'm trying to think of something right now. Uh, not getting anything. And just, you know, the, the other thing I did recently was cut sugary desserts out of my diet, but I don't know if that actually improves the environment. I guess I'm consuming less overall. Well, consuming less overall would be something because reducing consumption is, for me, more important. Well, I'm not, I don't want to say relative, but like people, there's a lot of recycling and making things more efficient. I think reducing consumption is a major piece too, especially when I see the amount of waste. Oh, yeah. that's uh, you know, I was eating uh, candy bars a couple times a day and, and now none of that. So no more wrappers going in the garbage from that. But again, I already did that one. Yeah, a lot of times when people stop, say, candy bars, then when I got rid of my books, like 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, I had all these books. And I thought, you know, I like having books, but some of these are really not necessary and they're kind of weighing me down. So I'll get rid of some. 
And I went through my whole wall of my, the South wall of my apartment was all books. And I would look at each one and say, okay, this one's important. I want to keep this one's unimportant. I'm going to get rid of this one. Oh, it's on the border. So if it's on the board, I kept it. So I get rid of, I ended up getting rid of about a third of my books. And then sometime later, I'm looking at my shelf and I'm like, that book that was on the border, when I compared it to books that I was definitely getting rid of, it seemed possibly worth keeping. But now without those books, this one's no longer on the border. It's off the edge. And so I was like, I, I got to go through a second time and be less conservative about getting rid of them. So the same process happened. I got rid of the ones that were definitely worth getting rid of. And some remained on the border. New ones were on the border this time. And the cycle happened again, because when I went back after getting rid of a, a, now another third, a third of that original amount, of, of that new amount. And then the ones that are on the border now were, were not worth keeping. And I kept doing it and doing it and doing it until I had like 10 books left. So I went from an entire wall of books to something like 10 books. And I've since gotten rid of those. Like I don't need a dictionary because it, the computer, it's redundant. And now my shelf, I have three books, one signed by Francis Hesselbein and two that I'm possibly teaching the course that uses those books this semester and net gain to my life in every way. So I wonder if you've been eating candy bars, it's possible that there are things that were not candy bars, but now that you're not doing candy bars, like mm, maybe that too. I'm just guessing. And I want to, now I want to tell that story because I was just reading that post of mine recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I cut out candy, cut out cookies. Those are the things with wrappers. So, uh, and, uh, and it uh, has been kind to my waistline. I will say that. So I, I replaced them with peanuts Get some nuts, raisins, need some kind of snack. Otherwise, I'm going to go crazy. It's also helping me wean off the uh, sugar. But yeah, that's, that's about it, replacing that. It feels like the conversation has changed a bit from a while ago that you are kind of like, oh, there might be something. If Josh helps me, I might find something. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, if there's something that's like natural that comes up that's like something that I want to do, then then that's something that's already... So this would be the the thing that's within my values, which is the thing that you're going for. If it's something like that, then then no problem. Maybe my my resistance earlier was I'm thinking Josh wants me to do something that he wants me to do that I don't want to do, that maybe if I do it, it's going to change my priorities. Yeah, that you help. You were a big part of helping me stop that, or I hope stop, certainly decrease from what it would have been otherwise. And that's why I'm resisting suggesting to you specifics because I haven't yet heard enough of what, what really connects. Like the, something about the article about the plastics connected. And you know, that had nothing to do with me. And that's what I'm looking for is like, is there other things like that? Maybe it's like when things come by, you either act or it does, if it matters, you act. And if it doesn't, you don't. And so there aren't things lingering. That might be the case. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty accurate. I don't know. It's kind of cheap. I was going to say uh, the I could just extend the sugar thing, but I'm already it's supposed to be sugar, like no no more sugar again. But I'm still having like the kind of thinking about oh well, you know I got a trip coming up, maybe I'll maybe I'll go back to sweets if I'm not strong willed while I'm on it. So I could say I'm definitely going to stay off sweets for this trip, and then I'll be permanently off for good. But I think that's it's not really a new thing. I don't think that would count. Well, I want to help you, and you know one of the things that usually helps people is it, when I say to make it a smart goal, specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, time-based. That often helps because people, then they don't, they're not like trying to make it permanent forever. And if you're doing, if you're going on a trip where you normally relax things or normally, maybe you are more relaxed. Yeah. Maybe you relax your standards for some things, which might be the sugar thing or might not be, it might be something else. Maybe if one trip you said, I'm going to do less X that I normally 
like maybe you on a trip, you come, do you ever come back from a trip and you're like, ah, I did that thing and I shouldn't have, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the first time I gave up sugar 2016 and then on the trip, I was like, you know what? I can give myself a little bit of, I can drop that rule for a little bit. And then I was back on sugar after that. <laughs> now, two That's years funny. later, oh, two and a half years later, finally getting off it again. That's funny. It reminds me of, uh, my stepfather was over a little while ago and someone came back from a trip. I don't know how long these things have been in my cupboard, but I have some Cuban cigars back when I, they're now legal, I think, to sell in the States. I'm not sure. At the time they were illegal. And someone gave me some Cuban cigars and they're just sitting on my shelf. And I said, and he and I were sharing a beer and I said, oh, you know, sometime we can have, uh, we can share a cigar. And he goes, I can't, he can't have a cigar because back in the seventies, when he met my mom, he smoked. And it didn't occur to me that it's 2019. And the last cigarette he had was probably around 1980 and it was still an issue for him. Like he's not, he's just not going to touch tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. So, once, once, once you have that association for me, sugar is like, you know, desserts. That was a huge part of my diet until very recently from, from infancy, pretty much. My mother blames herself for it. So I never should have given you so many sweets when you were little. So at the risk of me putting too much of myself in it, what if you said for this trip, you would keep this up if there was some risk of it, of you having some sweet that you regretted later, that this might help you lower that. Sure. I'm game. Uh, yeah, I think there's only like a 15% risk because I, I want to just be permanently off it, but there's still some risk. So we could say that also. We can add this to it. It's also the, the Josh challenge, leadership in the environment challenge. Well, I want to take out the me part of it. Is it, is it, something, that, like, is it something that resonates with you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, there's, there's some risk of me getting back on sugar, but I don't want to get back on it. I want to stay off it on the trip. I think that would count. Okay. Yeah. For my point, it's like, I, I can't help but think of business school when we do, what is it like most like uh, the thing in this angle brackets, uh, what's the terminology? The expected value would reduce. And so I can say in some technical way, I, I can put in some technicality that this is reducing. There's some measurable res- difference. So when's the trip? When do you get back from the trip? Uh, leave on Tuesday. And I think it's about two weeks. A long trip. So actually I was asking that to schedule when we follow up because, but we have regular conversations, so I don't really have to schedule when it's going to be. We'll just record next time after you're back. Yeah. I'm curious to see how this will go. I apologize in advance. If you come back and you're like, oh my God, this is my big mission. I have to drop everything and do nothing but this. (laughs) A million viewers a month are going to be like, Josh ruined it. All Chase talks about now is the environment. Yeah. Unless they start changing too. And then a million viewers a month are like, my God, uh-huh. finally. This is so much better than we <laughs> Or maybe they're like, this really put it all together. Now, like this co- goes well together. Finally, I can release this part of me. And it turns out that not just women, but everyone connects with me more in ways that I never did before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just go and start connecting over the environment suddenly have so much more in common with these uh with the, with the women from the universities that i'm meeting it could be well we'll see that's i mean to me i'm curious about that so all right now now i'm looking at the recording it's like just about to hit two hours and even if if things get edited it's still a long time so people who are listening i hope that they got out of it 
what to me, I just get out of, I get a ton out of our conversations. I suppose it's possible. Is it something in the back of your mind that maybe people from Girls Chase from that community are seeing a side of you that they haven't seen before, or maybe not more a side that's different because I, I feel like you share yourself pretty openly. It's hard to imagine someone talking as you are now being someone who puts on some false facade, but even so there's a depth here in a certain direction. That's probably new to them. I don't know. Do you think there's many listeners who are in your community who, who are like, Hmm, I'm seeing a side of chase. I haven't seen before. I'm seeing a level of chase that I haven't seen before. Uh, maybe. So some, some, uh, we certainly talked about topics, subjects that I don't light on, uh, don't alight on, on the site, some different stuff. Some, some of the considerations with business and then, and then certainly the, the, uh, some stuff about society, some of some of the things we talked about with just uh, influence in general, and then the, the difference between also kind of an interesting difference between doing things that you already want to do but aren't doing versus doing something that somebody else wants you to do. I think that's kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy. Oh man, I really try to move away from telling people, telling other people what to do. It's, I think that that's counterproductive. I think that it usually gets people to undermine. And yeah, I think that in your case, because we spoke earlier, how long ago was it? Maybe a year ago? Probably about that, yeah. And yeah, and that that helped me excise. To the extent that I've excised it, that helped me excise it. And it's not just, excise. okay, so the big thing is not just what you get rid of, but what you replace it with. And I hope, I believe that what I've replaced it with is a lot more listening and making sure that their, the, the guests' motivations and passions and feelings are that, they, that they're out there. And if I do it effectively, then I support them. I listen and make sure I understand. I try to, this is, my, this is what I try to, I try to listen so that they feel understood and supported. Because if they don't, then it's hard for them to act on something without, if they do, then I think that they're acting on what they care about. And then it's not for me. That's what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. You know, I, I don't have a complete recollection of our, our earlier conversation, but yeah, I, I would say this time going through it with you, it's, it's more that less pushy, more inviting, whereas before, uh, I think it came across probably more pushy, like, come on, we're going to get you to do something. How about picking up a piece, piece of trash? I don't remember if, if you actually outright suggested that or if I just said, okay, fine, then you know, why don't I just pick up a piece of trash? Yeah, I think you did say, well, you know, it has to be something that that you want to do or, but yeah, there's more suggestion the last time. So yeah, I would say your style has markedly evolved. And and how would you, how do you evaluate that? How would you catch it? In a a better direction. Um, uh, And I'd say this time, I think, uh, so the way I was thinking about it originally and the, the reason I had resistance to it was it felt like, Josh wants me to do something, but there's nothing that I want to do. So Josh wants me to come up with an extra task for myself that maybe is going to uh, eat up time or mental resources or shift my priorities. Whereas, uh, so yeah, uh, once, once I got how you were coming about it, like, okay, Josh just wants me to do something that I already want to do, but maybe that I'm not doing yet, or maybe there's a risk of me to, that I might stop doing. Then it's then it's very different. Then it's like, oh yeah, this is uh, okay. So we got to find something that I already want to do. I guess the thing there would be, can you 
are there other people that are reacting the way I'm reacting or it's like, oh, okay, Josh wants me to do something, but there's, but I don't want to do something. So he wants me to do something for him or, and is there a way to get around that consistently? So people are consistently getting the message of, we want to find something that you, that you yourself want to do. Maybe something you've been planning to do that you just haven't done yet. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there just saying, this is what you should do. Do this, do this, do this. And if it doesn't resonate with someone's values, then, or even if it does resonate with their values, but the person saying it doesn't know it, then a lot of people are like, stop telling me what to do. All these people telling me what to do, especially if the person themselves is not doing it, then actually, <laughs> I told you earlier about, I think I'll have to have her as a guest on the show, is um, this woman I met when I was at the summit. And before we started recording, I was telling you, she was over last night with a bunch of her friends and I made some of my famous no packaging vegetable stew. And when I met her, she she heard me introduce myself to someone and identified me as a pod. She listened to my podcast and she's like, she come up and she's like, do you have a podcast? Yeah. Is it the leadership in the environment podcast? I was like, Whoa, how do you know that? And she's like, I listened to it. And my friend who wasn't in the environment heard it. And now she really cares about this stuff. And, and she, now me and my whole family listened to it. And now what she didn't tell me when we met at the summit and she did tell me last night was that after that, it's not like she was following me around, but she was checking up on me and like seeing did he really take the train out here instead of flying? Is he really avoiding pollution and stuff like that? And so later she saw me and I'm at one of the dinners and there's, there's all this food provided. And she knows that I, I told her, I think I told her, somehow she knew that I had uh, prepared the food, three days worth of food for the train ride out because the train food, because I make all this, I love my stews and all this stuff on the train is gonna be all packaged. So I didn't want to eat that. And even if it weren't packaged, it's still all this fiber removed stuff. And I try to avoid fiber removed food. Anyway, so I'm at these dinners at the summit and it's all, everything's provided. And I'm eating out of the Tupperware that I brought my stuff out in. And she sees me doing that. She's like, this guy's serious. And she'd been looking for all these things and seeing that I was, I don't know what measures she was using, but apparently I like, I passed with more than flying colors and all these things. Cause I was doing things that she hadn't even considered. This is my read of what she said. And she said, like, this guy's really legit. So uh, I think there's a lot of people telling other people what to do who themselves are not doing those things. And I don't know why I, I forgot what, what got me onto that tangent. I should really, for, for those who don't know, no one knows, but when Chase and I talk, we often schedule, whatever we schedule, we end up talking more. And I think it's by mutual agreement that we just keep going. But I have to keep in mind the listeners that every minute that goes on, it's like different people aren't even starting to listen. So I'm going to wrap up. In le- well, I'll ask you what I usually wrap up with. Is there anything I didn't think to ask that, or that came up that you want to mention before we wrap up? And is there anything you want to say directly to the listeners? Oh, no parting messages. Um, you know, it's, it's a different audience. It's not a, not an audience that I'm trying to pitch or, or, you know, ask the tell them to visit the site or go check out any of our stuff. So uh, just, I hope they enjoyed the podcast. Uh, I, I hope that uh, we covered some things that might've been of interest and uh, I hope that they will find something that they can, change in their own lives that they already want to change or maybe they just haven't started implementing it yet i like that ending i'm going to add to it that what you can't which is i think they i say that if they go to the site they'll be glad that they did and i go there and i've read a lot of material and i've written a lot of material and i've taught and coached a lot of this material and i every time i find something new if it's not new material then it's new perspectives and i always find it well thought out and i just hit the limit and then i got to wait for the next month to read more because i haven't paid uh, although there have been times when Chase has gone and let me read more by setting some permission or something like that. And 
I recommend people go check it out, girlschase.com. Worst that happens is you go away. Anyway, Chase Amante, thank you very much. Thank you, Josh. I'm grateful that Chase worked with me so much as I persisted, I hope politely, for so long. I'm glad to hear that my technique evolved in ways that I've hoped, or at least according to him. I've had to learn to listen and adjust a lot in the hundreds of conversations leading up to this point. It remains to see the results. Going with a goal that to me seemed modest and that I helped create, to me, lowers the potential of the magnitude of the results. On the other hand, I believe that effective leadership has to start with where they are, where the people are that you're leading. Not where you think they should be, not where you want them to be, or any other place. Everyone has their constraints, their fears, and so on. Those farthest from you, who may be the hardest to empathize with or take the most patience, may be the most valuable for you to learn from. Certainly, that's been the case for me. Regarding the environment, people who find reasons to keep doing what they've been doing are hard to empathize with for people who act, but they are the overwhelming majority. Personally, I'd estimate it's something like 7.5 out of the 7.6 billion people on the planet are people who say they want to act, but aren't really acting or acting much less than they could. Over the years, I've learned as much from Chase as any other guest. We'll see what comes of his commitment and his refined understanding of my leadership strategy to help him and to help my guests find something he already wanted to do and to help him realize it. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.